Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. The creations of the ocean migrate and live life cycles that are out of view of human eyes until now. Now, whale sharks are a mysterious creature that we've only recently had a lot of information on, but we're turning to Facebook photos as well as NASA to help crack their latest rounds of secrets, plus what the changing climate is doing to sea turtles and the long journey of one particularly adventurous tiger shark. The eastern seaboard of the United States is a very busy and active place, especially the coastal waters. They bombarded with large storms, hurricanes, for everything from Harvey, Irma, Jose or Maria, and that's just to name the most recent hurricanes. Then you add in the human traffic, fishing, and one of the most populated regions of islands for tourism. Well, that whole region is a very, very difficult place to stay undetected and out of trouble. But amongst all of that very, very busy activity, there's just one tiger shark who's managing to avoid detection, capture, hunting, and just stay alive through all these major events, many hurricanes, and just the general business of surviving one of the busiest sea corridors in the world. This is, of course, the tale of a tiger shark by the name of Andy, which was tagged in Bermuda by a group of scientists from the Nova Southeastern University, NSU, and the Guy Harvey Research Institute. They tagged him in all the way back in 2014, and since then, they've been logging as Andy, this particular tiger shark, travelled over 37,000 miles all up and down the eastern coast of the United States and around Bermuda, the Bahamas, the Turks, the Caucasus, all the other kinds of islands that, well, if you're a tiger shark, you'd love to explore. And what is surprising about this is just how long they've managed to maintain really good data. They've been tracking this tiger shark's large migration patterns all the way up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States with no problem for nearly three and a half years. And that is actually quite incredible because you get a really good picture of a season by season, year by year pattern for a single individual shark, which is incredibly Now they were tracking as part of this study, more than 150 sharks, including tiger sharks, mako shark, oceanic white tips, and they've all been tagged by the GHRI in the last decade. And scientists like to study the behavior patterns of sharks because they're a large predator, and they often tend to migrate long distances as well. That tells us a lot about where they're going for food, where they're going to spawn, and a lot about the related ecosystems, their prey that they eat. So by tracking the sharks, we also track where their prey is, and we can track by proxy effectively the health of other ecosystems. Now, if you're a shark, you choose your locations about where you go based on your size and your age. If you're a young up-and-coming shark, you'll try and go to the where the younger ones are, if you're before you're mature, um, just to try and hunt for food in, in the toughest of environments. Once you're mature, you tend to go to white places which have good spawning locations to meet mates and reproduce. But environmental factors such as water temperature and prey availability also play a key role. But by tracking Andy over a long period of time, you actually get a really good snapshot from both a large population viewpoint but also an individual and tracking how that individual changes over time because that gives you a good idea about the developmental cycle and how that actually impacts migration which can often be hard to see because we'd never really get to see the full life cycle of a shark so andy the tiger shark well done on being such an intrepid traveler and giving scientists a wealth of data to track you and hopefully nothing else will get in your path
Now three years is a very long time for a shark, but it's not an incredibly long time if you're a whale shark. And these behemoths of the ocean, which were first theorised in scientific terms in 19th century, but really not identified clearly up until the 1980s, we just didn't know anything about them, have consistent sightings um, or any real data on them until well past the 1980s. And after then, we eventually managed to find some locations where these great behemoths of the ocean, who live for over 100 years, were actually congregating and living in aggregation sites across the world. And we know these places. There's one in WA called Ningaloo Reef, and we've identified whale sharks there. And we know there's a few spots like the Mo Mozambique, Mexico, the Philippines, where we've seen whale sharks. And you, we know that because people can go swim with them and take photos. But trying to figure out how and where and how they got there, if it's the same tiger sharks we're seeing in one place to the other, is incredibly difficult. Mostly because these large behemoths travel incredibly long distances and almost effectively disappear. But since they're so large and covered in a unique pattern of spots and and shading, we can actually identify them, and we can recognize them. And since they live for so long, it gives you a really good opportunity to do that. And that's exactly what researchers this is from the group EcoOcean, led by Dr. Norman, have been using. They've adapted, well, technology that NASA has for identifying constellation from large seas of data from astronom astronomers across the world. They've applied the same technology to recognizing the constellations on a whale shark's back. Because that pattern is unique, those identifiers, those spots, those splotches. And by collating photos from people swimming with these sharks, and even from satellite imagery, we can actually identify and track these whale sharks across the world. Plug all these photos, all these analysis from satellite pictures, and plug them into a big computer and run them against them, and we can track these different populations as they spread. Hopefully, shed some light on some of the big questions around whale sharks. For example, at the moment we know that there's basically a, a two male whale sharks for every one female. And where do all these males go? What do they do? We, we know there might be some of these hunting grounds where these bachelor young immature whale sharks go and hang out. But when do they come back? Where do they go to breed? Where do they go to hunt? And there's a lot of these questions that we're trying to answer by studying them. And it's not as easy to put a simple normal tracker as you would on a tiger shark, for example, on a whale shark, considering they're so large and long-lived, which is where tracking them with spots has a lot of way to help. So if you're out swimming with a whale shark, or you see one, there's actually a lot you can do to help researchers right now. So the first thing is to take the photograph of the animal, just in the spot behind the gills. That's probably much the best spot to get a good consistent set of recognizable dots and patterns. Then, once you've done all that, you submit it to whaleshark.org. You submit that photo, or even a video, or you can send them via Facebook and Flickr. Make sure you add where you saw that and any other identifying information that you might find, like a scar or perhaps the sex if you maybe traveled and visited with a researcher. Then researchers will go through the verification process, try and see quickly if there's any identifiers that they might track to see if it's submitted correctly and add any other additional tags and information. Then they chuck it in the grinder of the large computer and using these algorithms that are often use in facial recognition and constellation recognition from NASA to try and match it to other whale sharks in the database or register a new whale shark if it's never been seen before. Once the algorithm has finished its hard work, it goes over to researchers who do a visual confirmation as well, just to make sure, and create a new individual profile for that encounter. 
At the moment, there's over 8,800 identified, uniquely identified whale sharks out there, with over 42,000 reported sightings, coming from over 5,000 citizen scientists taking snapshots and 150 researchers and volunteers. And that's helping to shed light on what is otherwise a mysterious being of the depths that we've really not been able to photograph, track, or understand until maybe the last 30 to 40 years. So next time you're out in the ocean on your holidays, diving with some of these majestic creatures of the depths, remember that taking those photos can help scientists crack some of the unsolved mysteries of one of the most unusual and long-lived creatures in our oceans, the whale sharks. Maybe your contribution will help crack the code of where these whale sharks go to breed and what happens with these young male pups in the meantime before they reach sexual maturity. So there's a lot of mysteries out there to solve and hopefully we get a better understanding of these majestic creatures of the deep. The Great Barrier Reef is one of the world's most beautiful and diverse aquatic landscapes. It's a huge expanse ranging across most of the Queensland coast. And, well, it's under threat from a lot of different sources, whether it be the rising ocean temperatures, all the way through to runoff from farmlands and chemicals in that, or dredging, or large amounts of marine traffic. But inside the reef, or living around it, the species themselves are also under threat. We don't just worry about coral bleaching here, but the increasing warming temperatures of the ocean are starting to have a strange impact on one of the inhabitants of the reef. The green sea turtle has a lot of different nests and spawning locations scattered across the Great Barrier Reef. And it's really quite interesting as a species because the green sea turtles live for a very long time and travel very, very long distances. And in the northern section of the Great Barrier Reef, recent collection of studies done by the United States and Australian researchers published in the journal Current Biology has identified that, well, an entire population of green sea turtles is now almost exclusively female. Now, scientists have known for some time that changes in ocean temperature can lead to gender balance changes in green sea turtles. But what is quite amazing is that one particular group of green sea turtles has virtually no male turtles being produced from those nesting beaches. And obviously, this leads to all kinds of concerns about the long-term viability of that population. Now, we've known in theoretically in the lab that this is the case, but this is the first time we've actually seen it occur in the wild, affecting a large population. How the researchers managed to identify the sex of all these different sea turtles was through a combination of endocrinology, genetics, and accessing sites from across a large foraging area. And that revealed the genders of both immature and mature turtles from different nesting beaches over many, many years. Now, interestingly, from the southern cooler nesting beaches, 65 to 69% of the sea turtles were female. But as you went further north and the ocean temperatures increased, which this is just part of the, you know, moving towards the equator, you could see the percentages slowly increase through 86%, 99%, and even in shockingly in the last higher regions, 99.1% of juvenile turtles turning out to be female. Now these kind of demographic populations are not only alarming at the beginning, but they also have long-term implication because these populations will last over several decades. And this is the first time it's actually been picked up, which suggests that this change isn't one that's happened suddenly, but one that's been happening for some time now. It's interesting because this is the first time a really detailed analysis study has been done on the genders of these sea turtles. 
And this new method means that if you now looked at other sea turtle populations across the world, you may see a similar trend in warming waters. Now, sea turtles are an ancient species, and they often migrate and change and move to help make the species survive. And often what they might do is have the increased number of females, which is obviously a sign of environmental stress, gives them a higher chance of boost of increasing numbers. But the problem is, over time, it's an unsustainable long-term strategy. It gives you a short-term boost, but as there's less and less males around, then the population can have the risk of collapsing. And if that increase in temperature is happening faster than the sea turtle's ability to find more reproductive mates, then that is a very bad thing for the overall health of the species. And so it's just another thing to add to the list of endangered species and conservation activities in the Great Barrier Reef. The warming oceans is not just a problem for cold bleaching, but it also may be impacting even the population demographics of several of the key component species that make up the reef. So this is some great work being done by the, the NOAA and the Queensland Department of Environment and Heritage Protection and analysing and understanding the populations of green sea turtles in North Queensland. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Green Point. From using NASA and social media to help solve the secrets of whale sharks to tracking one adventurous tiger shark across the eastern seaboard, we also found out about what climate change is doing to our populations of sea turtles in the Great Barrier Reef. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.